to have Brother Bass to come to this pulpit again. Uh, uh, he's preached a number of times in this pulpit, has blessed us every time. And uh, we want to give him our full attention. I'm taking time, kitchen, to get that kitchen cleaned out. That's why I'm talking a little longer. Get on up here. Before I come down there. But we count Brother Bass among our very dear friends. In Calvary Apostolic Church, you're a blessed church. I have, incidentally, I may keep my tie. Upon the advice of the brethren, my ministering brethren, you may see it again sometime. But what preaching today? I just really was kind of looking for something to feel guilty about. I just wanted to repent. After that kind of preaching, everybody ought to feel a little bit humbled. Amen. And I thank God for the men who have brought us these messages. And tonight, without further delay, I'm going to ask our good friend, Brother Bass to come and minister the word of the Lord to us. Please permit me to remind you, service 1230 tomorrow. Service 1230 tomorrow. We'll be hearing from our esteemed friend, Brother Warren Green from Dallas, Texas, and Brother Paul Elder from Pueblo. And uh, these are mighty men of God. And I'll remind you again that after that, we will be getting our name tags back over to First Cafeteria. Did you enjoy that today? Amen. Glad you did. And now let's just sink our teeth spiritually into the word of the Lord. As Brother Bass from Ocala, Florida comes and everybody said a big amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Haman. Praise the Lord, everybody. It is certainly an honor tonight to be in this place to worship the Lord. And it's a double honor to be in the pulpit to preach the word of God. We are having a wonderful time in the Holy Ghost, and we're also having a wonderful time in fellowship with the brethren. I have been so blessed in the services already. Brother Howard Davis, that was my very first opportunity to hear him preach live and in color. Amen. What a tremendous message we heard last night. I appreciate that. The old pass, it's what I cut my teeth on. And that's what I plan to chew on the rest of my life. Amen. And what a blessing it was. And then today, Brother Pixler uh, did such an outstanding job. Um, sometimes I wonder if God is not a respecter of person. He gives a man all of that talent, ability, looks, preaching, I don't know. I think God is respect of persons. This comes so easy, just flows out of him. Some of us have to get up here and we just have to fight for everything that we can think of to say. Amen. Don't you appreciate what you heard today from Brother Pixler? And it's my first opportunity to hear uh, Brother Purdue and what a blessing Brother Purdue was 
to my soul today. Amen. I told him to just mark that one off the list when he comes to preaching O'Callan because it will have already been preached. I have already claimed the rights of that in the state of Florida. <clears throat> Those rights are signed off as of today. Amen. I appreciate it. It blessed me and not only blessed me, but it helped me. And what strength we had from the word of God this afternoon. This church is blessed that deposited within the confines of this building and on the tapes and in our hearts are things that will help us reach beyond our carnality and move into eternality. Amen. It help us get beyond our flesh and find us a relationship in the spirit. Praise the Lord. And it was a blessing. We have enjoyed being here on several occasions and this year is no less. I, uh, after all that preaching today, I feel like Ned and the first reader up here, and I'm not really sure what I'm even doing here. I'm tempted just to say, God bless you. We've had a great time. Amen. We've been in the presence of the Lord. He said, come before his presence was singing. And, uh, you know, we ought to be in his presence right now. We ought to have been in his presence all evening long. Amen. But uh, you won't be so lucky. We're going to preach a few minutes with the help of the Lord. Praise God. Good to see all the brethren that are here. I esteem you highly, and I respect you. And I want to try to be a blessing to all of our hearts here tonight. I want to read from the book of John, chapter number one, scriptures that are most familiar to all of us who have been in church any length of time. But if the Lord will help me, I want to preach from these scriptures tonight. John chapter 1. Why don't you stand while we read the word of the Lord? <clears throat> John chapter 1 and verse number 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Looking at verse number 29, the scripture says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Looking at verse number 35, he said again the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples and looked upon Jesus as he walked 
he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he came unto, he saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. I want to preach, if the Lord will help me tonight, on this thought, the forgotten preacher. Praise the Lord. The forgotten preacher. And I would like for us tonight to enter this time of the word in a time of prayer. And ask the Lord to help us this evening in this service. I want to somehow affect our hearts with the word of the Lord. Would you pray together, everybody all over the house. Blessed be the name of our God. We honor you tonight, Jesus. We recognize the frailty of this humanity, the weakness of our flesh. And we know that without you, we can do nothing. Without you, Jesus, we would but fail. Hallelujah. We understand and know that you are God and that you change not. That there is no variableness in you and neither is there any shadow of turning. I pray, O oh God, let the hand of your spirit be on us tonight. For we need to hear from you once again in this service. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We need you tonight, Lord. We need you tonight, Lord. Praise God. Why don't you give the Lord a praise offering with your hands while you're being seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There has already been uh, so very much said in this meeting about the ministry and its relationship with the church as well as the word of God and its power and glory that has uh, been ministered to us in such a beautiful manner. I appreciate what I hear from the pulpit when the truth is being preached. Amen. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There is nothing in this world like the truth of the word of God that is preached in the congregation of the righteous. Well, praise the Lord. Jesus, in his uh, time with the adversary during the temptations, uh, the devil came and said that uh, if you are who you say you are, then turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. We know that through the ministry of Jesus Christ that bread was often associated with miracles and miraculous power and miraculous works. Amen. Throughout the scripture, the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fishes. Jesus told some people one time, you only follow me because of the loaves and the fishes. There was an association there. He told the woman that came and desired deliverance for her, for her daughter. 
He said to her, it's not meat to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. So there was an association there between bread and miracles. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. Nothing wrong with the miracles. Nothing wrong with the signs and the wonders. But we feed on a whole lot more than just the miraculous supernatural acts of God in the church. We need the word of the Lord. We are going to live. If we live, we will live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need truth. Oh, praise the Lord. We can parade them tonight across the platform, healing them of all diseases. But if we don't preach truth to them, they'll never know what true deliverance, they'll never know what true freedom is from their sin. Thank God for a word that reaches into the heart of a man and will change that man, will make him different than what he was when he heard the word of God. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And if there is anything tonight that you ought to thank God for, and that is a man who is sent from God who will preach the truth to your heart and your life. Oh, hallelujah. Now, if you're going to help me tonight, that's fine. If you're not, that's fine. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Amen. There is, I believe, a work of the Spirit that God wants to do in our hearts. I believe that there is things that God wants to change about us. But if we are going to be changed, it will take what God has already ordained by his divine word. A man sent from God with a message to change you, to move you, to bring you to the place that God would have you to be in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4 said he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. To some he gave apostles, to some prophets, to some evangelists, and to some pastors and teachers. The gift of the ministry to the church is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to his people. Sometimes we wonder why that we enter into a building such as this and we sit upon pews that are so nicely designed and comfortable and we look at a pulpit and a man behind the pulpit. It's far more than a club. Amen. Preaching the word of the Lord is far more than a politician's speech. It's more than a philosopher's philosophy. It reaches beyond the scientist seminar. But it is a work of God that is being done within the heart and the lives of humanity. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I don't know why some people would say that it's necessary to go to church. You need it. And there's a purpose and a reason behind it all. There is a man that's sent from God. And the man that is sent from God has a message from the Lord. 
and the message that comes from God is designed to do more than just tickle your ears or make you feel good about yourself. We live in a feel-good society, patting one another on the back, making everybody feel like they are okay. What we need is a message that comes from the very throne of Almighty God that reaches down in the depths of our being and changes us and moves us and brings us into a closer place in Him. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so when John came, sent from the Lord, he came with a message. His message was, I am not the one to come, but there cometh one after me. He said, I am baptizing you with water unto repentance, but there comes one after me who is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The writer of John describes that when John the Baptist came, he came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And that light was the true light that lights every man that comes into the world. Praise the Lord. And so when John came, he came with the understanding I am not the one to come. He came with the understanding, this is not about me. This is about somebody who is coming after me. Hallelujah. This ministry is not about me. It is not about my talent. And it is not about my ability. It is not about my looks and my appearance and who I am and what I am. But this is about one who is to come. That one that is following me. The one that can do the work that I cannot do. He said, I am just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare you in the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Praise the Lord. John was not all that concerned with the technical accuracy of his work. Amen. He was not so much concerned with the scholarliness of his work. Amen. He wasn't concerned all that much with skill. The only thing this man was absorbed with was that the crowd would see the light. Oh, hallelujah. When that man stepped on the banks of Jordan's river, he had one message to preach. He had one burden and one desire. That's coming one after me. That's coming one following me. I'm the voice. I'm preparing you for somebody. I'm getting you ready for someone else who is to come. I cannot do for you what he can do for you. I am not able to do the work in your heart and mind and spirit that he is going to do. I'm going to baptize you with water to repentance. But when he gets done baptizing you, it will be a life changing. It will be a difference. Oh, yeah. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I like what I feel here tonight. Amen. There's coming one after me. This is not about me. This is not about who I am or what I am. Oh, praise the Lord. I haven't come to the banks of Jordan's River to parade before you my pedigree. Oh, hallelujah. It wasn't of John's concern that he came from a long line of Zacharias. It wasn't his concern that that which happened in the home of his parents was nothing less than supernatural and absolutely the work and the handiwork of Almighty God. That was not what was first and foremost. Please forgive me tonight, but let me preach what I feel. It's the burden of the Holy Ghost in this service tonight. He never came talking about the miracle that happened when his mother gave birth. Long after the time of childbearing, he never paraded his pedigree. He never talked about who he was, but he said, there's coming one after me. There is a Jesus. There is a, there is a Jesus. There is one following me. There's somebody that I want you to meet. There's somebody I want you to come in contact with. Oh, praise the Lord. The only thing that John had in mind was I want this crowd to come in contact with Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. I want this crowd to find out who Jesus is. I'm not interested in anything else. I'm not concerned about your parties down there at Herod's palace. I'm not concerned about your social life and everything else that's going on in and around the hills of Judea. I'm not interested in my name being on the register of all of those who are accepted in the upper echelons of politicians and societal things that they do in the cities. That's not my concern. I'm here to tell you there's somebody coming. I'm here to preach to you there's one coming after me. I am here to introduce you. I am absorbed with the fact that I want you to see the light. Praise the Lord. And so they sent people out there to talk to John and they pressed him, who are you? He said, it's not important who I am. What's important is the one I'm talking about. Come on, saints. Hallelujah. It's not important who I am. What's important is there's somebody coming after me. What's important is I'm just the voice of somebody else that's gonna follow me and do the work that you really need to have done in your life. Who are you? Where did you come from? What's your daddy's name? We wanna know, are you Elijah? Are you that prophet? No, I'm not that. Amen, I'm not, I'm not at all. Listen, he could have played upon the emotions of the people. He could have preached to the crowds and could have put himself in some place of elevation in their minds. But he said, it's not important who I am. It's not important what my name is. It's not important where I came from. What's important is I've come to tell you about somebody. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. 
And so he's out there talking to them and they're communing and they're, they're pressing him, the scribes and the Pharisees and the different ones who have come out, the Levites, to, to want an answer, give us some kind of an answer that we can take back to those who have sent us out here. And he said, listen, listen let me just tell you something. He said, I've come to baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you know not. Oh, Lord. There stands one among you whom you know not. And there was a burning desire in the heart of this man to introduce Jesus Christ to the crowd, to introduce Jesus Christ to the multitudes. There's one among you whom you knew not. You don't even know him. You wouldn't know him if you, you just, you're standing beside him. He is in your presence. He is in your midst, but you still don't know who he is. I've come to introduce you to him. Praise the Lord. And the next day John sees Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. I'm, really, I'm not going to preach a long time, but I'm not going to get in a hurry tonight because I'm not worried about performing to anybody's expectations. I am not worried tonight about anything. I've got a burden in my heart. I've got a desire in my spirit tonight to speak what I feel. The Holy Ghost has sent me to this pulpit to preach. Amen. I am telling you that we are in an hour when there is one who stands among us and so many still don't know who he is. Hey, hallelujah. They can give you the latest stats from all over the world. They can tell you who the latest popular singers are and they can give you many things that they have learned but they come and realize there's one among us that you don't know, like you really ought to know him. And there is a burning desire in the heart of the ministry to introduce you to Jesus Christ. Every time you come to church, every time you walk in those doors, every time you hear the word of God preached to tell you a little bit more about Jesus. Somebody say amen. One of the oldest examples tonight that I want to use in scripture, but yet an enduring example. And some things that you have heard in the past, but let me reiterate them again in our hearing. And that is that the Abraham sent his servant over to the homeland to get a bride for Isaac. Oh, yeah. oh hallelujah. And during the course of the charge, that was given to that servant to go get the bride and bring her back. Oh, praise the Lord. The servant said, but what if she is not willing to come back here? Shall I come back to this place and get Isaac and take, her down, take him down to where she is? And Abraham said, no. If she's not willing to make the trip, just leave her where she's at. Praise the Lord. You're not going to take my son back into idolatry. You're not going to take the bridegroom down to where she lives. If she wants to meet the bridegroom, then she's going to have to make the trip up to where he is. Oh, praise the Lord. She's going to have to go where he is at in order to find out what he's really all about. 
Hallelujah. The Lord has not given the charge of the ministry that we would stand in the pulpit and that we would preach Jesus Christ down to your level so you can comprehend or understand or believe in him. Oh, no, friend. I'll tell you what God has so ordained by his word and by his commandment is that the ministry go to where you are and approach you with this great possibility that there is another life and there is a better place and there is a higher degree and level of spirituality. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? Do you want to go? letting us know if you really want to go where I want you to go. Praise the Lord. I know this is Mile High Conference, but let me say tonight to Calvary, let me speak to this local church from what I feel in the Holy Ghost. This is more than just a Mile High Conference. This is a divinely ordained and designed of God opportunity for you to make a decision to decide, my God, help me tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Forgive me, I don't want to sound bold, but I feel a spirit, a prophecy upon my soul to say to this church, there's a place that God is saying, come on, let me carry you to that place. There's a place that he's trying to let you see and know it's better, it's greater, it's more powerful. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so he said, don't bring him down. Bring her up. Bring her up. Because that's the only way I'll accept the bride. That's the only way the bride is going to be joined to the bridegroom. Oh, hallelujah. That we are in subjection to Jesus Christ. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. God is not going to conform himself to us. 
He is not going to conform himself to our whims and our desires and our little opinions and theories about how it all ought to be done. God's not interested in our opinion. He's not interested in our little whims and our desires. What God is interested in, do you want to make the trip? Do you want to make the trip? Is there a hunger for a different life? Praise the Lord. And the thing that we need to recognize is that the servant represents the ministry to the New Testament church. I don't think that that's new doctrine to you here tonight. Amen. I don't think that's new to this congregation. I believe you understand that. Praise the Lord. God gave the church the ministry to let you know there's somebody that's out there in the front leading the way. There is somebody that God has so ordained to be the leader, to lead, to direct, to guide through the preaching of the word, through pastoral direction and instruction that you might know where God wants you to go to. You don't have direction tonight unless there is a God anointed preacher that has already been down the road and knows where God wants to carry you. You can't carry somebody someplace you've never been. Amen. The servant had been there. He knew what was in the master's house. He knew what was in Abraham's house. Praise the Lord. And I want to tell you right now, when Joshua went down that night and stood beside the banks of Jordan or crossed over the river of Jordan and stood by the walls of Jericho, it was there in a holy place. Oh, hallelujah. I said it was there in a holy place where he got divine instructions from the captain of the host of the Lord. He stood before that figure of that man and said, are you on our side or the adversaries? And that individual said, neither. I am not on your side and neither am I on the adversary side. Because that's not the question. The question is not whose side am I on. The question is whose side are you on, Joshua? He said, pull off your shoes. For the ground that you stand on is holy. I'm the captain of the host of the Lord. And it was there that he got the instructions on how to bring down the walls of Jericho. How to have revival. How to take the inheritance. How to claim the promises of God. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. How are we going to do it, preacher? I'll tell you how it's going to be done. It'll be done according to the manner and the way that God has given it to the preacher while the preacher was in a holy place. While the preacher was in a holy place and he heard from God whenever he comes to the pulpit and says, all right, it's going to be six days of marching one time of a day and on the seventh day, seven times. The only thing God's looking for is some marchers and some shouters. That's all I'm looking for. It's somebody that'll follow me around the wall.
Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Where are we going to stand on this? Where are we going to stand on that? I'll tell you where you're going to stand. You're going to stand right where God has so positioned your pastor. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Well, what about this issue? I'll tell you what about that issue. Wherever your pastor has been, in that holy place with God, oh, hallelujah. And the Lord has told him what position to take. He's going to come back to the pulpit and say, all right, folks, this is how it is. Oh, praise the Lord. And he doesn't need somebody sitting out there. Oh, help me, Jesus. Hallelujah. Nobody's sitting out there saying, well, I don't think that's the way it ought to be done. We don't, we don't really need to make that long of a trip. We don't need to make that kind of commitment. But I'm telling you right now, that bride had no choice over how far it was, how long a distance, how many days it would take, or what it was going to be, nor was necessary to make the trip back to Isaac. The only thing that there was needed was willingness, 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 willingness. Praise the Lord. Amen. The ministry is always one step ahead. Someone said, why are we having to hear so much preaching about the ministry in this conference? I don't know. Unless God is just letting somebody know. I want to take you somewhere. Amen. Joshua had already visited Jericho and knew how to fight the battle and how to win the battle. Amen. Gideon had already been down to the camp of the Midianites when it looked like that the situation was so overwhelming, they would never have victory. They would never be able to accomplish anything for God. And yet he went down to the camp of the enemy and it was there he got a word from the Lord and he knew what God was about to do and marched right back up the side of that hill and said, get your boots on boys. We're fixing to have ourselves a victory around here. And it's not only him, but also there is Nehemiah who is out there walking around the walls of Jerusalem in the nighttime. He said, I went by myself. I told nobody where I was going. I want to tell you something, friend. When you're laying on your bed of ease, your preacher's on his knees in the night hour saying, God, I don't know how to fight this battle. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know how to deal with this issue. And you better be praying, God, talk to my preacher. I want to make the trip. I want to have revival. I want to see a move of God. I want the Holy Ghost to work in our church. Praise the Lord. Come on, just, just, just ride with me a few more minutes. Amen. Said, said what if she's not willing? Well, she's not willing to sleep where she is. Because they're strangers. They don't want to be in the bride. Well, praise the Lord. And so the servant got over to the over to the land and he says, Now, he said he prayed. He said, Lord, let it come to pass. That the one, the right one, the right one. Said, I'm going to ask her to give me something to drink. And said, After I have asked her to give me something to drink, 
let her say, not only will I give you to drink, but I'll draw water for all your camels also. Because you see, a bride needs to be willing. The church needs to be willing to do more than what's asked of her. Your standards are your minimum. I said they're your minimum. Standards are just the minimum. Praise the Lord. Brother Uzzle and I were talking today of several, several of the brethren about buildings and construction and what is required by our various counties and our municipalities uh, and as far as wind load and, and, and all the pressures and, and that, that the elements would, would, would put against the building. Uh, and his word was, when I design a building, uh, I design it above and beyond uh, what the requirements are. He said, there's just something about it. It makes the inspector happy. When he comes along and sees the building uh, and realizes there's been more done to this than just the minimum than just the required. I'm preaching to you tonight, saint of God. Do you really want to go somewhere with God? You better make up in your mind. It's gonna take more than just what's asked of you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so she came out and he says to her, I want something to drink. She gave him something to drink. She said, listen, while you're drinking, I'm gonna feed all these camels. I'm gonna give them something to drink also. I'll take care of all of this. Amen. In verse 21 of Genesis 24 said, and the man wondering at her held his peace. I can't help it. I'm just going to have to just go ahead and do what I feel in the Holy Ghost. The man wondering at her, what a wonder it is when you find somebody who wants to do more than what's asked of them. I said, what a wonder. It's a wonder. We prayed a sinner through the other day for the first time in several months. Now we prayed quite a few folks through this year already but we prayed a sinner through the other day. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, came off the back pew just convulsing and sobs, big old tall fella, and fell on the altar and repented. God gave him the Holy Ghost in a few minutes, came back that night and was baptized in Jesus' name. We'd already baptized his wife and she got the Holy Ghost and daughter a few weeks prior to that and he told his wife that night, he said, I hope you don't get upset at me, but I'm getting involved in this church. I'm gonna put myself into it. He said next week, nobody said one word to him. Nobody has said anything to him. He said next week, we're turning in uh, our, uh, uh, what is they called it, the, uh, the cable box. Uh, we're getting rid of the cable box. We're unplugging the TV. Uh, he said, I'm shaving my mustache off. Uh, I'm getting rid of all of those things. Uh, I'm throwing my cigarettes down. Uh, nobody has said anything to this man. Uh, he's just got the Holy Ghost. Well, praise the Lord. He come to me and said, he said the other night, 
about two weeks after he got the Holy Ghost, he come back after a prayer meeting we had. He said, Pastor, I just feel like I need to tell you this. He said, I'm a jack of all trades. I've done all kinds of things. I've done every, almost any kind of work. I'm, a, I'm an engineer right now working for a company. He said, listen, anything I can do, just anything. I don't care what it is. If it's carpenter work, I'll do it. If it's electrical work, I'll do it. Whatever it takes, I don't care. I got folks been sitting there 14 years since I've been pastoring and still hadn't said that to me. And I'm wondering, I'm just wondering. Oh, come on, don't sit on me, church. I'm telling you, God needs to put something down inside of us that says, I'll do more. I'll do more. I'll do more. Well, praise the Lord. You read all of that chapter. And there's one thing you notice. The servant doesn't talk about himself. The servant doesn't refer to him his position. He doesn't stand there and say, now look, I would like for you all to understand that I'm the most trusted servant of all of my master's household. I'm the one that he has entrusted and given this job and this responsibility to. And, and evidently it's because I, I'm the one that he thought the most of. And I've been the most faithful and I have been more committed. You know, I mean, after all, nobody's preaching this like I preach it. Whew, got quiet. Come that Elijah syndrome. I'm the only one left. Nobody else could do this job. No, he never said a word about himself. You know what he talked about? He talked about the master's house. And he talked about the treasures and the gifts that were in the master's house. He was saying to the girl, let me show you what is back at the master's house. Let me tell you about my bridegroom. Let me tell you a little bit about where you're going. Let me tell you a little bit about what you can possess and those things that you are able to have. Oh, hear me tonight, church. It is not the desire of the ministry to get in the pulpit. Our calling and our charge is not to lift ourselves up. No, we only serve in an office. I said we only serve in a position and in an office to let you know there's a higher place in God. There are deeper depths. There are greater heights. There's more of the Lord than you have ever experienced. Well, praise the Lord. Now listen to me. She made the trip. She said, I'm willing. They said they tried to get her to stay for a while. No. She said, I want to go right now. Thank God for those right now folks. Who don't wait six months to quit smoking? Woo, hallelujah. Who don't wait two years to quit committing adultery? Shacking up and living in sin. Oh now, hallelujah. Amen. Thank God for those right now folks that lay it all down upon the altar. Who don't wait a year before they quit lying and being dishonest on the job? But who say, come on, take me wherever, wherever I'm supposed to go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm in your care. I'm in your hands. Let's go. Preacher, you've got me on your hands. Every step you take, I'm going to be right there behind you. Every place you go, I'm going with you. If you go to the prayer room, I'll be in the prayer room. 
If you're in the pulpit preaching, I'm going to be there preaching with you. If you're out on visitation, I'm going to be on visitation with you. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I'm going to say amen. And so the servant and the bride-to-be makes the trip. And there's something that I noted about this whole affair. In Genesis 24 and 63, as the trip came near the end, it said Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the, at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. The next verse said, and Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the candle, camel. And she said unto the servant, what man is this that walks in the field to meet us? And the servant said, it is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. Oh, hallelujah. The responsibility of the ministry is to get you close enough to Jesus that you can see the Lord and the Lord can see you. Oh, hallelujah. We are not up here to grandstand. We are not up here to preach to the applause of the congregation. We are not up here tonight to punch the hot buttons just to get you on your feet screaming and hooping and hollering. But I'll tell you what we're up here for. We're up here to carry you on a journey. Get you on the right track. And at some point, you're the message to get you close enough to Jesus. everything I'm saying here tonight. And I don't have time to tell you that I'm not diminishing the necessity of honor to whom honor is due and double honor to them who labor in the word, preach the word. Amen. I am not in any shape, form, or fashion diminishing the necessity of your relationship with the ministry. But you've got to understand that we're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose that's coming one after us. We cannot do the work that needs to be done in your life. All we can do is bring you to where he is and bring him to where you are and get the two of you together. Praise the Lord. Just get you together. Well, amen. 
You know what's sad? Is that so often we have to spend so much time keeping God away from you. We got quiet on that one. Deuteronomy chapter 9, the great man Moses, the prophet of God, preaching to the people of God, is reminding Israel about all the times that I kept God off of your case. He said, remember and forget not how that you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day that you departed out of the land of Egypt until you came into this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. He said, in Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was angry with you to have destroyed you. He said, let me alone. In verse number uh, 14, the Lord says to Moses, let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they. Verse 18, Moses said, I fell down before the Lord as at the first 40 days and 40 nights. I need to eat bread or drink water because of all your sins which you sin in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you, but the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Moses or with Aaron to have destroyed him, and I prayed for Aaron also the same time. And then he went on in verse 22, he said, At Tabera and Massa and Kibrath Hatava, ye provoked the Lord to wrath. Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up and possess the land which I have given you, you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. You believed him not, nor hearkened to his voice. You've been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. He said, Thus I fell down before the Lord forty days and forty nights as I fell down at the first, because the Lord had said he would destroy you. And I prayed therefore unto the Lord and said, Oh, Lord God, destroy not thy people and thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed through thy greatness, which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember thy servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and look not unto the stubbornness of this people, nor to their wickedness, nor to their sin. It was never God's will that Moses have to stand and say, Wait a minute, God, hold your wrath. Hold your hot displeasure. Amen. It wasn't the will of God that he keep the people away from God. And, and, and God over here and God saying, I'll kill them. I'll destroy them because of their rebellion, because of their resistance against me and my word. And Moses over here saying, no, come on, God. Don't do it, please. Whatever, over and over and over again. I'm telling you, friend, it is not God's design or God's will that the preacher have to stand between you and God and keep God off your case and say, wait a minute, God, give me one more year and let me dig around them and let me fertilize them and let me work and maybe they'll bring forth some fruit. No, no, no. The will of God is that he be able to say, amen. I want to, let me take you to his presence. Let me take you to the atmosphere of the spirit. Let me take you to where the Lord is. There's a merciful God. There's a kind God. There's a loving God. There's a God of judgment. There's a God of truth. There's a God of relationship. I know we're not running the aisles tonight, but I feel what I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost. Amen. There is something happening. Hallelujah. Help me, Lord. Please help me tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
There is something happening at Calvary. Amen. Bishop, if I'm off base tonight, call my hand. I, I'm, I'm willing tonight, please. Amen. But I feel in the Holy Ghost there's something happening in this assembly. There is a transition. There is a work that's being done. There are some people that's jumping off. There are some people that's making decisions. And they're not making decisions based on the word of God. Oh, God, help me. Hallelujah. And the Lord is saying to Calvary, I'm going to carry you higher. I'm going to carry you further. I'm going to give you a greater revival. I'm going to do mightier things for you. But what I'm looking for is some folks that will make the trip who are willing. Praise the Lord. The preacher can only keep God away from you for so long. Because even the husbandman said, or the servant, he said, let me try one more year. And he said, then Lord, master, if they don't bear fruit, you can cut them down. Amen. I'm gonna hold you off one more year, Lord. Just one more year. And he had already come three years looking for fruit. And the preachers are saying, God, give me just one more year. I don't know the times I pray, God, just one more message. One more year, one more opportunity. God, I want to save them. I want to do, somehow, I want to, I don't want to keep God off of people. I want to bring them into his presence. Oh, hallelujah. I want to get them where the Lord is. Can I take just a few more minutes? Hallelujah. And so, I want you to notice what happens here. Bible tells us in 67 of Genesis 24 that after the servant had given Isaac the report of the bride to be and how she had made the trip, he fades off in the background. And the Bible said Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah and she became his wife and he loved her and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Isaac brought his bride into Sarah, his mother's tent. Amen. And I thought about that when I read that. And it dawned on me he could have built a new tent for her. Amen. He could have built a different tent. But he chose, he chose to build his relationship with his bride in the tent of Sarah, his mother. Why did he choose that? Because of what that tent represented. Hallelujah. That tent, first of all, represented faith because the scripture said that by faith, Sarah received strength. Amen, that she would bear a son when she was past the age of childbearing. Hallelujah. Something arose in her heart. I'm telling you, friend, if you let the preacher get you close enough to Jesus, that you and Jesus can get a relationship going, he can take you someplace that you'll begin to believe that whatever you have been in your life, you can be a whole lot more and you can go a whole lot further and you can do much greater things for God, but there's gotta be a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm just going to cut some things out here tonight. Took her in the tent. And that tent was a tent of resurrection. 
Praise the Lord. A woman who couldn't have babies. She was too old to have children. And God gave her a resurrection. The Lord caused a resurrection to come even within her physical body so that she could bear a child, even the promised child. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, there's some folks get close enough to Jesus to wave at him. In fact, there's many of them that get near enough that they do like Judas, they kiss him. But it's the kiss of betrayal. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching to you tonight that we've got to do more than just be shown Jesus Christ. Just get a view, a picture of him. You need to run to where he is. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, church. We move too rapidly with our services. When the preacher gets done, we want to hit the door. It's time to fellowship. It's time to eat. And all of us love to eat, myself included. And I love fellowship as much as anybody. But I thought today when Brother Pixler got through preaching, there was such a move of the Holy Ghost swept over this place. We come face to face with Jesus Christ. We come face to face with his glory. Oh, I wanted was some time to just let him take me in Sarah's tent. Oh, God, there's some things I need resurrected. There's some things, oh God, I need you to change in my life. There's some things I need you to do. Get me in the tent. Get me inside the tent and do something in my spirit, in my soul. And Brother Purdue got through preaching, I was stirred again. I got face to face again. God, I don't want to be a stranger. Oh, no. God, not a stranger. I want to be a part of the covenant. Take me inside the tent. I want to make a vow with you. I want to make commitments to you, Lord. I want to do everything that you're calling for me to do. And so, he took her in the tent. In First Peter chapter 3, he said, the women should adorn themselves. Amen. The meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. He said, for even holy women of old adorned themselves, even Sarah. Oh, hallelujah. Sarah's tent was a tent of holiness. It was the tent of righteousness, the tent of separation. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. I know I'm getting long tonight, and I know I need to hurry up and quit, but please ride with me just a few more minutes. Amen. I'm telling you, you get a relationship with God, you won't question holiness. Because when you get inside the tent with Jesus, when you get inside the relationship with the Lord, when you go beyond just the message, when you go beyond just the preacher, and you come in contact with the one that he's talking about, you come in contact with the one he's preaching about, and you let him get a hold of your heart. You don't question standards. And you won't question separation. When you come out of that tent, you'll look like you've been with Jesus. You'll look like you've been with the master. You'll look like you've been somewhere in the glory world. Amen. All we're trying to do, church, it just gets you close enough to Jesus. 
We're not up here tonight to talk about ourselves. These men today didn't preach about themselves. It concerns me when I hear a man say I more times than he says the word or the Lord. Well, amen. When it's always I did this and I did that and let me tell you what I, 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 I. I'm sorry, my friend, but looking at you has never given me a desire to be holy, separated. Huh? It was looking at Jesus that did something to my spirit. Well, praise the Lord. John said, I saw the church, seven golden candlesticks. He said, but one in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I looked beyond the church. I looked past the golden candlestick and I saw something in the church that made me want to have some fellowship, communion, relationship with it. Praise the Lord. There is no greater evidence that a preacher has been faithful than when he has been forgotten. Amen. John came preaching. John came ministering. John came delivering. And I'm going to try to wrap this up real quick. John came speaking about Jesus who was coming after him. Mightier than I. And when Jesus came, he said, there's one among you whom you know not. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to you about one that you don't even know. He's standing among you, but I'm going to introduce him to you. And that day when Jesus stepped out of the crowd and the light shone, John said, behold the Lamb of God. There he is. The whole crowd followed Jesus. The next day, the Bible said, I read it to you. John was standing there with two of his disciples. Two of his disciples remained with him. And as Jesus passed by, he said to those two disciples, behold the Lamb of God. That's the one I've been telling you about right there. And the Bible said those two disciples left him. And John is standing by himself. He's the forgotten preacher. Hallelujah. I have no greater joy. I said, I have no greater joy than when at the end of the preaching of the word of God, there is a response to the one I've been trying to tell you about. So that when you're in the altar with your face bared and you're weeping and crying before the Lord, I have been forgotten. You may have listened, you may have watched, and you may have heard the whole time, just like that bride. Just like Rebecca, she followed that servant until she got to where Isaac was. And when she got to where Isaac was, she came off the camel and said, let me go to where Isaac is. And the servant wanders off into the twilight while Isaac and Rebecca are building a relationship. Brethren, there is a great danger in us preaching to the crowds, preaching to response, preaching to hand claps, punching all the hot buttons so that we can get the crowd on their feet screaming and hollering. There's a danger in that. 
because we're enjoying. We're enjoying the accolades. We're enjoying what's happening. It's heady. Praise the Lord. God help us to learn how to just bring the people close enough to Jesus. You say, well, that means I, once I get in contact with Jesus, then I don't, I don't need, according to that story, I don't need the preacher no more. No, 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 you misinterpret that. You see, that story in that form that you're thinking is the church as a whole worldwide is being prepared by the ministry worldwide, getting the bride ready for Christ. That's corporate. What I'm preaching tonight is individual. And what I'm trying to tell you is that every time you come to church and sit on these pews, the preacher takes you on a journey through the word of God. Takes you on a journey through the word of God. One more time, to get you in contact with Jesus so you can build some more relationship with him. So you get a greater revelation of him. You get a greater understanding of him. I'm talking about on an individual level. I'm talking about getting to a point where that every time you come to church, you're sitting on the pew saying, I'm willing. Come on, preacher, preach to me. Let's make another journey tonight. Let's make another trip. Let's, let's, go, let's go to revival. You preach to me about holiness, I'm ready to go in that tent. You want to preach to me tonight about separation, I'm ready to get in that tent. Amen. You want to preach to me tonight about repentance, I'm ready to get inside that tent. You want to preach about revival, I'm with you, preacher. You just get me close enough to Jesus. You just get me where I can see him. I'll do the rest. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, God, help us. Hallelujah. The faithfulness of the preacher is seen in that he is forgotten. When you're in the altar talking to the Lord and you're building a relationship with him, that's when we just back up. So it's up to you now. I want to tell you, we can't build your relationship for you. We can't have revival for you. We cannot build wholeness in your life for you. Amen. Whatever you do, you're going to do it because you got close enough to Jesus that you said, let me get in the tent with him. Let me have relationship with the Lord. Let me build a life with him. Let me know more about my Lord. Amen. Let's stand. Jesus said in Matthew... 21, he told his disciples, he said, I want you to go in the city and said, there you're gonna find a colt, the foal of an ass. The scripture said, Jesus said in that particular place, bring them to me. And in Mark, the writer there said that he told him to go in the village and he said, there you'll find a colt tied whereon never man sat, loose him and bring him. So I think that we understand by these two or three different observations of this particular incident that they brought both of them. They brought the mama and the coat and Jesus rode on the coat whereon never a man had sat. He had never been broken. He had never been broken. Listen to me. He had never been broken. 
But Jesus sat on him. And when you read the scripture, it appears to me that as he sat on this coat and he's going into town, the mama is right there. Because Jesus understands divine authority, spiritual authority. Oh, hallelujah. And that the novice operates under the auspices and the authority of the mature and the seasoned. Jesus chose to use something that had never been broken to bring him into the city. And on the way in the city, they threw the coats on the ground, the palm branches, they were waving them and they were crying, Hosanna to the highest, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. That colt could have looked out of one eye and said, man, this is all right. Boy, look at all this screaming and hollering. Look at all this palm waving. They throwing, they're throwing coats down so I can walk on them. Man, this is the highlight of my career right here. But all of the screaming and the hollering wasn't for the coat. It was for the one that he was carrying. The one he was bringing. Come on now. There's a great danger to the ministry, the young ministry especially. And I'm 45 and I've been preaching since I was 16. So I might have a little bit of a right to make a couple of statements here tonight. And I am a grandpa three times. Hallelujah. Enough about me. Amen. And so the great danger to the ministry, the young ministry of today is God will use something that's never really been broken. He'll ride on your ministry. He'll ride on your life and let you bring him into contact with the crowd. But don't ever think that all that screaming and hollering is for you. Don't walk off the platform thinking, man, I did it tonight. Huh? Because it's not about you, it's about the one you're carrying. It's about the one you're transporting. The young preacher stepped to the podium, walked to the platform with his head held high and his shoulders squared and his Bible held high and throwed his Bible on the pulpit, opened it up and began and he could not say a word. He stood there for several moments and when he realized it, he just, he had it, he did not have it. He closed his Bible and with slumped shoulders and a broken spirit, he left the platform and sat down by an old preacher on the front pew. The old preacher looked over at him, he said, son, said, if you had gone up there the way you came down, you would have come down the way you went up. Hallelujah. Come on, church. And I want to tell you right now, there's nothing, there is no greater feeling of satisfaction and completion, if you want to call it euphoria, whatever, than to know that you have preached what God gave you. Amen. But we better learn how to be forgotten while the bride and the bridegroom Oh, hallelujah. Boy, there's a Holy Ghost power in this place here tonight. There is a touch of God in this sanctuary. It's not us, it's him. 
And all we're trying to do is just get you in his presence. Get you in his presence. All we're trying to do is get you in touch with Jesus Christ and let you know that if we can ever get you connected with him, how much better your life would be. I could get up here tonight and scream and preach about the devil and we'd probably run in the aisles. There's a whole lot of buttons I could push and you know what I'm talking about. I wanna tell you something, brethren, in church, I could care less about that. Those things don't matter to me. There was a time, yeah, there was a time. But the only thing I'm concerned about now is where are people with their relationship with God? Have you been with Jesus today? Have you been in his presence today? Have you gotten in the tent today? and let him do something in your life that will change you? Or do we sit back on the pew and resist the preaching and resist the journey, resist the travel, what it takes to get us to where he is? Do we resist it? Or do we willingly say, just take me where he is? I wanna know more about the Lord. I wanna get in contact with Jesus. I wanna get closer to him. The missionary preached the message about Jesus Christ. The man was there that had traveled all day long to get there, at least a great part of the day. The man was so thrilled to hear about somebody that could forgive his sins, that could change his life. He was so excited, looked forward to getting home to tell his family about his newfound truth, his newfound friend. He made the journey back home that night in the wee hours of the morning as he stepped on the threshold of his little hut it dawned on him, I forgot his name. And he turned all the way around and walked all the way back to the missionary's home and as the light in the sky was beginning to brighten, he knocked on the door and when the missionary opened it, the first words out of his mouth to the missionary was, oh, tell me his name again. Hallelujah. Sing me that sweet refrain. God, give us a desire to do more than just go to church. Do more than just call this our house of worship. But walk in the house saying, I'm ready for another trip. I'm ready to get back in his presence. I'm ready for you to tell me a little bit more about Jesus. Get me close enough to him that I can see him. I'll get off my camel and I'll run to where he is. As Brother Spell is singing, you just do whatever you feel to do tonight. I, I, I apologize for preaching so long. Amen. God help us that we can get beyond ego, that we can get beyond arrogance, that we can get beyond our selfish desire to be applauded and to have accolades pinned on us. Help us somehow to get to a point that we're willing to just be forgotten while the bride is in the tent praising him. It's Hallelujah. in Jesus. It's in Jesus. All in oh God. Jesus. Hallelujah. It's in Jesus. Is there anybody here tonight? He we just like to draw a little closer to him. 
Anybody want to get back in contact with Jesus Christ? Anybody want to draw near to him? Oh, hallelujah. It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. He's the one. Oh, God. Hallelujah. It's in Jesus. All in Jesus. It's in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the one. He's the one. My God. My God. Rock of salvation. Firm foundation. It's in Jesus. Oh, it's in Jesus. Oh, in Jesus. It's in Jesus. He's the only one. 